0: on this episode of Action Film Face-Off. Before I wish for your annihilation,
1: any last words? Uh, So this Sniper Bowl is going to really make a difference. Where are you going to put it?
2: Jean Claude's butt. (laughs) Less
3: kinky, but
2: a little out.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: The Long Box Crusade presents Action Film Face-Off. This episode is 1992 versus 1973.
3: Two films enter, one film leaves.
0: It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit.
3: Welcome to Action Film Face-Off. This is the show where two random years are selected. My brother brings an action film from one of the random years. I bring one from the other random year, even if I accidentally mixed them up from last episode. So you're really paying attention. (laughs) I jacked this one up. I accidentally swapped them, Ah, but we'll get there. Anyway, the two films are going to do battle. We've got our variety of criteria. A champion's going to be crowned at the end of the episode. I'm Jared Albrecht, the Death Probe. My co-host is my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull. We are both military combat vets who take our action very seriously. Not seriously. So let's have some fun. We have before us this evening just a regular episode, really. I'd say if, if there was any theme, it's programming gone wrong. <laughs> that's, that's what I would say is tonight's theme is programming gone wrong wrong and uh with that it's, it's nothing special but hey look forward to next month because next month is march so look forward to our martial arts episode with ciscoid will be returning and with that little teaser I'll
1: hand it over to jason yes indeed we're going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to ten in five categories those categories are the story the overall spectacle best action scene the hero and the villain you can mix it up however you want it's not in that order. But, you know, they're there. They're there. Then we're going to have the deduction round. We're up to 10 points, can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie.
3: All right. Thank you, Jason. Our sniper is our regularly scheduled sniper. Every quarter we have her on, it is Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Welcome back, Kathy.
2: Hello, hello. Happy to be here.
3: She is back. And she's going to be talking some more action films with us. Now, you've been on several times, and you've answered your questions of what your favorite action films are. I think you picked three. I think you picked, like, 11 of them or something like that.
2: I believe that three. is correct.
3: Right. So, uh, I prepared a question that you are unprepared for.
2: That's my favorite kind. Oh, I'm
3: on the seat of my seat. <laughs> what is the first action movie you remember seeing in the theater when you were a kid?
2: Oh, in the theater.
3: Jason, buy her some time and tell him. Tell the folks
2: out there what yours was.
1: Star Wars, without a doubt, 1977. I'm six years old. My dad goes, you want to go see the Star Wars movie? I was like, cool. I don't know. And, you know. and I watched it. And from the opening credits, I was just mesmerized to that screen. I came home. I wanted to be Luke Skywalker swinging over that chasm. I wanted to be Han Solo that was flying the Millennium Falcon. I got a Han Solo blaster for Christmas that year. I got an X-Wing fighter for my birthday. I got all kinds of Star Wars figures. I was all in on Star Wars, baby.
3: I'm just going to cut that after he said Star Wars in the answer.
2: That's uh- <laughs> pretty, <it's> pretty nice. <laughs> Wait,
3: I got more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if Zorro the Gay Blade counts as an action movie, but I, that was one of my very first ones I remember going to it see. Does. It does. Yeah, okay, Jason says it does. But if I had to like be like a blockbuster, I think I might have mentioned this on the program before. There was a point in like 1982 182 our sister had just been born and my mom wanted us out of the house and our dad took us to a double feature it it was a harrison ford we got to see raiders of the lost ark and empire strikes back (laughs) on the same day that's like the greatest double feature ever kathy we bought you some time
2: the movie that sticks out most in my mind that i actually remember was indiana jones and the temple of doom i'm still a bit traumatized by this movie i have a quick story we come in late to the theater. Seats are practically all full, so we have to sit in that front section of seats, you know? Like the first four or five rows We're in the back row of that front section. I got my candy, as you do at the movie theater. Well, it's Bunch of Crunch, which, as you know, Nestle Crunch Bar is all chopped up. If you have seen, which I assume most of the listening we population has seen... The movie Temple of Doom. I am eating said candy while she is walking over millions and millions of crunchy bugs. And I'm still traumatized by this. (laughs) But I still absolutely love that movie today. Not
3: the removal of a man's heart and him watching. That's where I thought she was gonna go with that. That (laughs) bunch of crunch.
2: Bunch of crunch and insects. Yep, that's it. All right.
3: There you have it. Okay. Now, before our two films enter the Video Dome Marina, we are thrilled to kick this episode off with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who joined our crusade. They get access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And
2: Angelica Wolf.
1: Nope. Oh. Auburn Elvis, thank you very much Blast It
3: or Stash It
2: Braxton Underwood Clinton Robeson
3: Captain Entropy
2: Dave Collins like Wagon Ezra Gallo Gary V Gerald Green
1: Jason Keen Jason Lady
2: Jeremy L
1: Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman I hope you like Jim Jarman too
3: Jim Meal Joe Thomas John Watson Josh Strickland
1: Candace Ward The captivating Kathy Bright MVP and all-time great sniper
2: That's me
3: Mark Ross
2: Maxwell Traver
1: Miranda W P.D. Devins
2: Paul Hicks
1: Rick from Jeff and Rick Present
3: Rob Morgan,
2: Ryan Daly Samantha Maney
3: Sean Urbanski Spidey67 Spreadsheet Steve Cronin
2: Tim Price
3: Tony Pennington and the Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind we record these episodes well in advance release. Really, so for a recent edition, we will add you soon. But of course, no worries. You can let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will square it all away. And if you're wondering how do I become a Crusaders Club member, just go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as one dollar a month. You get your name on that list. And all the wonderful benefits therein. Come check it out.
1: Well, now that we got the orientation on the way, let's go ahead and jump into Westworld and learn a bit about the film Gladiators, about the battle for your pleasure.
3: This episode, I was signed in the year of 1992, sort of. I wasn't really. I messed it up, but Took we're rolling, it. With. <laughs> <Took> <laughs> <it> rolling <with. laughs> And I selected Universal Soldier. What year did the randomizers select for you, Jason?
1: Well, I ended up with 1973, so I put into our Video Dome arena, Westworld, as I indicated in my preamble.
3: right, fine matchup, fine matchup. Now, it's important to point out this isn't like Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year or get the years wrong and take the wrong one. It all worked out. That's all that matters. Anyway, I might like his selection better than mine, vice versa. It's all about us discussing beloved action films and coming to a consensus on this episode's champion. Now, as far as where we saw it... I have both these movies on my Plex. Not very exciting. Jason? So for
1: Westworld, I downloaded it on a free movie streaming service, which had pretty good quality. Same one, I think, that I used for one of our previous films. Don't remember what it is. It was a free one. Had a little red triangle on it. I hit it. It played. It worked great. So that's where I watched it. And then for Universal Soldier... I was looking, trying to find a streaming service, and I thought, I think I have that one on DVD. Dug through my DVD box, found
3: it, and watched it. Nice, nice. Kathy?
2: They are both currently on HBO Max.
3: There you go. See? We're a little educational here, letting you know where you can find these things. I wasn't any help, because you have to be on my Plexer. <laughs> but hey, HBO Max and RedTriangleMovies.com is what we're going <laughs> to call Canopy, maybe it was called? I don't remember. All right. Fair enough. All right, guys, this is your spoiler warning. Of course, we're going to spoil the heck out of both these films. I mean, they're from the 70s and the 90s, so what are you doing with your life? (laughs) But hey, at the other side of this musical break, we're going to get into it. Alright folks, now that we've got all that done Let me jump in with some quick information On 1992's Universal Soldier
0: It was a top secret government project Pac-Man Ice All of them Designed to create the perfect soldier. No man would ever again have to die in the service of his country. Cryogenically preserved. Okay, guys, memory clearance. Genetically enhanced. How's the picture? Pretty ugly. Very funny, very funny. Programmed to obey. They're at the tower. Okay, okay, here we go. Who are these guys? 30 hostages held inside the power station at the base of the structure. I said shut up! We're inside. Begin phase two. This marks the third successful mission for the Universal Soldier. But there was something they didn't count on. He's not responding. GR-44, do you read me? At the end of the mission, he became completely unresponsive. Inside the machine is a man. Do you really think the Pentagon would allow the regeneration of dead soldiers? Stop the girl. Shoot if you have to. And all Uh, it takes Veronica Roberts, TNA. is one memory you didn't do anything to awaken him let's go hit it traitor universal soldier what the hell did they do to you don't know but i'm going to find out one can't be controlled buckle up the other cannot be stopped this mission has been canceled i'm giving the orders from now on i'm gonna teach them all are we having fun yet the ultimate weapons of the future have declared war on each other jean-claude van damme Dolph lundgren Universal soldier. Stop. That is an order. Your
3: casting crew is as follows. It stars Jean Cloud Maurice Feldman Van Dam and Dolph Maurice Feldman Lundgren.
2: <laughs> they must be related.
3: They may be. There's other people in it as well. I don't care who they are. <laughs> Because I'm there for some Van Damme or Slungren action. It's directed by Roland Emmerich. You know what? I'm just kidding. Other people in the movie, you did a good job and I appreciate you, but I was really just there to watch those two fight. Your synopsis goes a little something like this. The military is testing out a new batch of soldiers, reanimated corpses of dead Vietnam soldiers from Vietnam. What could possibly go wrong? Well, did you ever see RoboCop? That's what could go wrong. Trivia is as follows. Trivia numero uno. Both Van Dam and Lundgren attended the 1992 Cannes Film Festival in order to promote this. Just outside the festival hall, Van Dam and Lundgren were shown having an argument, pushing and threatening each other before security guards intervened and stopped them. The brawl between the two actors became a talking point for the media and was reported by many news channels. However, years later, Lundgren revealed in an interview it was all staged for publicity for the movie, and Van Dam also confirmed that on a podcast he was on in 2018. In fact, Van Damme and Lundgren got along very well during the production and have remained friends to this day. They were back in Expendables too. Trivia nugget number two. Nearly all the ice required for filming, an estimated 400 kilograms, clearly someone from Europe put this fun fact on IMDb. Yeah. It could be a cup full. It could be a bus full. We don't know. <laughs> what 400 kilograms is this? It's a lot, actually. Came from a single local 7-Eleven in Arizona. Most of this film was shot in Arizona. The manager of the store, Joaquin Alvarez, was even invited on a tour of the Nugget Ice Corporation factory as his sales figures were so impressively high. So I just love the middle image of like the production assistant, like, dang it, we need more ice. And he just keeps going back to this one place the (laughs) 7-Eleven. And Joaquin's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) here comes those ice sales. Got employee of the year this year for sure. Locked it in. (laughs) All right, final fun fact. This film was the last film to be recorded in CDS, the early digital sound format. Following this film's release, most movies would adopt the DTS sound format that we all have heard of and enjoy to this day, but this was the very last film to be recorded in CDS. And be honest with you, I can't hear the difference. Sounds good to me. (laughs) No either, okay. Anyway, that's it. Over to Jason. Well, now I will give you good folks the rundown
1: on 1973's Westworld.
0: MGM presents Westworld Your attention, please We will soon be landing at Westworld The ultimate resort We have you on grid five, over It consists of three worlds of the past Locking in now Worlds where you can live out your every fantasy There's Roman world The lusty, decadent delights of imperial Pompeii Notify ground crews Medieval world Chivalry and combat in 13th century Europe and Westworld, lawless violence on the American frontier of the 1880s, each resort is maintained by reliable computer technology and peopled by lifelike robot men and women. Let's stand by for resort activation. Ready on six, on five, on four, on three, on two, activate now our robots are programmed to provide you with an unforgettable vacation dinner at seven breakfast at six thirty. get lunch on your own don't look like much here but we have everything you mean to tell me he's a robot what'll it be uh vodka martini on the rocks with a twist of lemon very dry please just give him whiskey He's new in town. Many elements of the Delos resort are potentially dangerous. That's part of the appeal. Go on. You say something, boy. Kill him. Your move. Our technology is designed to provide all this in complete safety. In Westworld, frustrations find release. Desire ends in satisfaction. Funny handling. And all in a controlled environment. That's not supposed to happen. We know you'll enjoy your stay in Westworld. Hold it. The ultimate resort. Let me do it this time. Where nothing, nothing can possibly go wrong. I'm shot. Go wrong. Raw. Go wrong. Oh my God. Shut down. Shut down immediately. Westworld from MGM Starring Yul Brynner Richard Benjamin And James Brolin Westworld The Ultimate Resort Boy Do we have a vacation for you For you For you for you.
1: The cast and crew included James Brolin Richard Benjamin and Yul Brynner Yul Maurice Feldman Brynner and it was directed by Michael Crichton. In the synopsis, Peter and John are two buddies looking to get away for a nice vacation, and the place to be is Westworld. In Westworld, they can role-play all of their Wild West fantasies of shootouts, bar fights, and seductive saloon women in comfort and safety, for the town is full of human-looking robots. And these androids fulfill the carnal needs of sex and violence for their human guests by giving in to every demand and losing every fight until they don't. So for trivia nuggets, number one, Yul Brenner's gunslinger, that pixelated vision that we see, that's the first use of computer digitized images as part of a motion picture. Nice. Second trivia nugget, John Carpenter was inspired by Yul Brenner's character when he designed the robotic, unstoppable movements of Michael Myers in the Halloween series. Arnold Schwarzenegger also modeled his Terminator performance off of the character. And finally, Yul Brenner wears the same costume in this film that he did in his role of Chris in The Magnificent Seven. Interesting. Kathy, I know you got more.
2: I just have a couple of nuggets for both. On Universal Soldier, I wanted to talk a little money. Apparently, the budget for the movie was $23 million. I believe worldwide, it ended up making 102 million dollars. Before- <laughs> exactly.
1: That's almost half. <laughs> we do the math for you here,
2: actually. <laughs> um, and speaking of math, from my understanding, the very very naughty word they say in the movie was said 19 times. The
0: F. Oh right. <laughs> oh oh.
2: Couple of small nuggets I have for Westworld. The movie was shot in 30 days. That's all it took for them to shoot that whole movie. Money-wise, apparently Yul Brynner, because he was in desperate need of some funds, he was only paid $75,000 for this role, which today's term would be $354,000. I could handle that. Movie-wise, the budget was $1.25 million. After the re-release in, I believe it was 1976, the total earnings of the movie ended up being seven point three million dollars.
1: All right, made a little money. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants,
0: ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh-oh.
3: All right, all right, all right. Let's get to it. Now, before we get to the Carnage and Combat, let's talk about match game. We have two films with five categories. Jason has not seen my scores. I have not seen his. How many times do you think we're going to match? Because it could be up to 10. Speaking of scores, here's your barometer. We mention this on every episode, but if this is your first episode, welcome. And here's our score barometer. If we give it a five, that means it's okay, it's passable, something you'd see on a halfway decent made for TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Get yourself a great movie. Four, three, two, one. You've got things to work on. Having said all that, the first thing we do is round one. I'll be back. Round one is a story. How engaging or original is the story? Interested to see what your thoughts are on this. So for round one, we're going to start with Jason, Universal Soldier 1992. Thoughts on the story. What you got?
1: I thought it was a very interesting story. The plot was somewhat simple of having these basically programmable soldiers. I think that's every Pentagon general's dream, a soldier that they can just do what they're told and you can pack them in ice when you don't need them and break them out when you do. That's great. But I think where you get into the complexities is, you know, when you bring in the Vietnam and you've got so much stress that Dolph Lundgren's character of 13 was under and You know, then you've got Jean-Claude Van Damme's character of 44 that just wanted to go home. And I think what really grabbed me was how visceral, how ingrained those last moments are in their brains to the point that it overrides all programming and all hell breaks loose. I think to me, that's the gem in this story. Basic, simple plot, but that little element of... The trauma that just doesn't let go after 30 years was what really grabbed me when I watched it this time. Yeah,
3: I can relate. I can relate. Definitely good points. Kathy, what did you think about the story of Universal Soldier? Correct. All right. <laughs> uh,
2: everything that Jason said was perfectly said. It, like you said, simple, but the history of the characters, the characters is actually what makes the movie.
3: Absolutely. And the only thing that I will tack on is I made a reference in my synopsis to like, it's kind of like RoboCop. It's a lot like RoboCop. And one of the factors that I'd kind of forgotten that made it similar to RoboCop, you know, watching it again, I'd forgotten it until I watched it recently for the show, is the humor moments. It has some good humor moments in it, you know, and RoboCop and Universal Soldier are both pretty dark films, but they're a little bit elevated by some genuinely funny moments throughout the... uh, yeah, that's fair.
2: You're discharged, Sarge. <laughs> I don't
3: think he's getting that deposit back.
2: Anyways! <laughs>
3: that's $20? $20. $20 deposit. Anyways, let's move uh, back in time to 1973. Jason, we have Westworld. We have Michael Crichton's kind of a creative cat on it. So, thoughts?
1: My first thought is, man, Michael Crichton was just a creative machine. I'm thinking back to all of the films and the books and er the television show and the legs that it had and what a juggernaut he was and this is one of those little movies that started the whole thing i think the plot in this one is a bit more complicated and what makes it interesting for me and in full disclosure i never watched the hbo westworld and i get that they're going in depth as to how all these things happen and the motivations but what i like about this film is they tell you just enough I sat back at the end of this show and I, I after watching this movie and I thought man what clues were out there like when that robotic saloon girl that he sleeps with is like I like you was that like programmed or was that like a response because he was actually treating her nice not like you know not like how everybody else that's human is treating these robots like what makes Yul Brenner just go like you know what I don't want to lose anymore You know, I'm going to get you this time. Like, what is that that does that? And you get just enough enough hints that you're like, hmm, I wonder if it's this or I wonder if it's that. You know, so by the end of the film, you realize, like, there are a lot of things that could have gone wrong here. I don't know exactly what it was, but it makes it very
3: entertaining and memorable. Well said, well said. One of the things I kept repeating to myself as I was watching it is, you know, here in 2023, this whole... Programming gone awry is a dime a dozen. Robocop, Universal Soldier, like we've seen it, but this is 73, relatively new concept here. So I got to love it for that. Kathy, your thoughts.
2: Just to piggyback onto that. Yeah, apparently this is one of the earliest mentions of anything we know today as a computer virus.
3: Mm, Yeah. You know, I was thinking more from an AI point of view, but from a computer virus point of view, yeah, it's absolutely sound. Yeah.
2: Mm But I was kind of struck. Let me say, this is it is a little bit difficult rewatching this movie. I love this movie as a kid because I'm a huge Yul Brynner fan, as y'all will figure out as we continue to talk about this movie.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't make me break out into some King and I am songs. But it's complicated for me because I have watched the TV show and I loved the TV show and knowing how in depth they got with the story. And like you said, Jason, how much more they went into detail about everything this movie now is very not complicated to me especially compared to the show but i did still find it extremely interesting because this was the original like what would happen if you were at an amusement park for vacation and all of a sudden you're getting chased down by you know <laughs> some rogue
3: wait a minute what's <laughs> made a michael Crichton connection this is the first time he's done an amusement park car. Yes. Right. <laughs> hmm,
1: what if we're going with dinosaurs?
2: <laughs> Let's do the same thing with dinosaurs. Or, or as I put in my notes, Jurassic Park, also about an amusement park oh, running sorry. amok.
3: I didn't mean to steal that from you. It just clicked <laughs> no. in my head when you were saying it.
2: I assumed y'all re- you realized that, but I was yeah. slow
3: on the uptake until you were laying it out. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> we all enjoyed. Uh, both these films, so uh, I think it's time to double back and score them, Jason, on a scale of one to ten. Universal Soldier. I, um, I feel like I can guess it. I feel like I. What do you think? I think we're going to have our first match game. And I think we both have it at a seven. You are correct, sir. what <laughs> I got. It. <laughs> I'm learning Jason's verbiage <laughs> where he's going to go. All right, match game then. Yeah, we both have it at a seven. That was good, serviceable. Definitely fun movie to watch. Westworld, I bet I can guess this one too, but I don't want to play the whole Jared guesses every step. I, I bet we have another match game though. What do you got? Okay,
1: I think it was a little bit better than Universal Soldier I'm with Kathy that it doesn't go as in-depth as the Westworld show, but it's enough for me to say, this is really creative for 1973. I'm giving it an eight.
3: Match game number two. I also gave it eight. That was a pretty close score, so we got to go the Sniper. And find out which one, Kathy, did you think had a better story?
2: Oh, this is so tough because the concept of Rest World is so different and intriguing. And like you said, this is 1973. But I love the nuances in Universal Soldier. I mean, how they deal with PTSD and how they deal with coming back from war and what it does to you. And like you said earlier, it overrides their programming. Gosh, I don't know. All right, I'll I'll go Westworld. All right,
3: Westworld it is. The first sniper bullet is Lodge, and I I don't judge you for that, Kathy. That's you know not, you got to put that 1973 filter on. It's very creative for its time. And speaking of its time, my time is up. It's time to go to Jason.
0: Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill.
1: Well, that means it's time to talk about the heroes. How cool are the heroes of these two stories? Um, And we'll encounter the ensemble, their sidekicks, their partners in crime, what have you. And let's start with Universal Soldier and and give Kathy a chance to talk about what she thought of Jean-Claude Van Damme's character in Universal
2: Soldier.
1: Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Insightful.
2: (laughs) I don't know that they could have picked any... Two more perfect actors for these roles. I loved Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie. He acts more than most of his other roles. And I think he does actually a really good job. He felt sincere. Very sympathetic. Like it was easy to feel sympathy for what he was going through. Not remembering anything. Does he remember his parents when he finally sees them towards the end?
1: I think he does. I think he's starting to recall more and more. The more he's off that programming. Yeah. I think by the end, we got a sense that he knew who they were. It's still a little bit uncomfortable because he hasn't aged.
2: And I like the idea, even though he was programmed to be a killer, he was still a protector. So, in his subconscious overriding programming, he was still a protector. He was still a hero of the story.
1: Very well put. Yeah. I thought that was a good element as well. That last moment of failing to protect that Vietnamese woman and how that drives him through the film. And I also just thought, He did a really good job of having almost a childlike character when he
2: absolutely coming
1: into his own, but I've spoken enough. We need to let Jared have his say.
3: Yeah. this is one of Van Damme's uh, better performances. I mean, I like Van Damme. This is when he breaks out of the Canon mold because he did a lot of movies with Canon to launch his career where he wasn't getting paid a whole lot. And then this is where he starts making big money and doing bigger films and bigger roles and it just really felt like he stepped up like it you can just see the graduation and there's no slight on his canon films i adore them all okay in fact as a weird aside it's bugged me for years so i googled it this week you know he's got that knot on his forehead
2: i was wondering if that was just from this movie or not i I, I don't think i've ever paid attention
3: Because I've noticed it in a lot of his films. So I actually Googled, like, what is the bump on his forehead? And I found out it's a cyst. It's a benign cyst. And what happened was he starred him with Canon. And Canon was kind of famous for crank it out, crank it out, crank it out. He literally just didn't have time between films to go get it removed. And then by the time he sort of graduated from Canon into the big time, which was pretty much here at Universal Soldier, he considered it kind of part of his look. So he never changed it. So (laughs) that little, little bonus fact that I actually Googled this week, it's bugged me for years.
2: I can't say I ever noticed it until this movie. And then I was like, he must've got hurt while he was filming is what I thought I mean, that it, it was literally a nod it's on just, his head.
3: Just bump that he's had forever, you know? And I I've noticed it in all the movies and just like, huh? And I thought, you know, if it's just, just like Bump or Lump, why didn't he have it removed? And then in my research, I found out basically he was just too busy. He was working all the time. So anyways, uh, back to the movie at hand. I thought he did a great job. And you know what? I want to give a little bit of props to the uh, female reporter that he's running around with. Like A lot of times those people can be really annoying. Those characters can be. She was more resourceful. She kind of reminded me of Brenda from Highlander. Yeah, I thought the same thing, yeah. kind of had her own bit of resourcefulness and all that. She wasn't dependent on him. She was actually, without her, he wouldn't have made it. Because she was like his plug into how the world works. I thought she was good. So, yeah, there you have
2: it. I do love, that is Allie Walker. And if anyone's interested in going back and seeing any late 80s, early 90s shows, Profiler with her and and Robert Davi, is that his name? Yeah. Oh, they were I in like that Robert show Robert. together and it was a great, great show. It was the first like kind of profiler type shows that was out there. Huh. It was great. I
3: no awareness of it whatsoever, but I'm a Robert Davi fan. I, you know, license to kills my jam. So anyway, what we're we talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to talk about the hero
1: Peter from Westworld. I guess Peter and John, you know, we could talk about both James Brolin's character as well. But yeah, Kathy, how what are your thoughts on Peter and John from Westworld.
2: Not super impressed. It's not like they were being true heroes. It was more of he was just trying to escape. I really don't have much to say. I mean, I was kind of unimpressed. I like James Brolin, but I mean, I don't know. They just didn't really do much. It was like I said, more of them just trying to escape and get out of Dodge.
1: It did kind of remind me of uh, Freddie Mercury versus Yul Brynner there for a little bit. <laughs> like that little dude. Like, oh, he's just going to eat you alive, man. You
3: just, you got no chance. But anyway, Jared, what did you think? I- I'm kind of on Cavie's team on this when I, as I was watching it. I mean, it is a reactionary movie. They're not action heroes. They cut, they're cut. they regular ordinary guys with regular ordinary lives. And, and I can allow them that. But I really think the production company made a misstep. When they killed off Brolin and had the big square off battle with the other guy, Benjamin, I think something I can't remember his name but Josh Brolin had a lot more leading man action charisma than the other guy did. And I thought as soon as he, Josh Brolin got shot and killed, I was like, Oh movie, you've made a mistake. I, I don't want to watch other guy square off against you. I want to watch Josh Brolin. Is it Josh or James? I always mix. It up.
2: James James okay. Brolin. I, keep,
3: I, yeah. I probably said Josh a couple of times. My bad. James Brolin. I want to see James Brolin square off against Yule Brenner, and I didn't get that. You know, he got very sort of off-handedly killed. So I thought it suffered for that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the other guy, but it's just something about Brolin's just kind of bigger. He's got more of that charming leading man action persona. I would have much rather seen the final show off between those two. No slide against the other guy. He's a fine actor. Just, I don't know. I felt like they picked the wrong one.
2: Well, and I wonder if that was intentional. It's like he's more of the everyday guy that more people could possibly relate to in the real world. Maybe that's why they wanted to make him the survivor the hero i don't know yeah i
3: mean they kind of hinted that he had confidence issues and all that stuff and this was something that would either boost his confidence or land him in the nut house one of the two, one of the two so. i did see
2: a comment by someone on imdb i believe where they thought it was funny how richard benjamin's character is the one that's supposed to be the newcomer to westworld james brolin is the one who's the like experienced person and james brolin couldn't hit the side of a barn but yet richard Benjamin could you know he got Yul brenner's character every single time the gunslinger every single time he shot his gun
1: huh. yeah I kind of looked at it in the opposite light Jared I thought it was kind of clever where you had Roland who's usually playing these tough guy characters and it looks like coming out of the gate that's what you got you got Peter asking all of the annoying questions like should I take a holster with a strap is it faster with a strap you know like he's He's so lost in here. He's excited and lost. Brolin's all calm, like, you know, hey, just do what I do, brother, and you'll be fine. But at the end of the day, when it goes real, like, Peter steps up. And when I started this conversation, that's the first thing I thought when I saw Peter. I was like, man, this guy's not going to last. Like I said, he looks like Freddie Mercury out here in the Wild West. I mean, I know enough to know that things are going to go bad here, and I don't think he's going to make it. And surprise. And I think that's the human element. And there's that one scene when the guy that's working on the broken down car says, you can run, but you're not going to make it. And he said, yes, I am. That's the first time he said anything with confidence. Yes, I am. And he does. Nice. That's
2: a very good point.
1: Anyway, I took my own turn. It's time. To, <laughs> I, do, I do believe it's time to score these things. So, Jared, Jean-Claude Van Maurice Feldman down.
3: (laughs) What'd you give him? I think he did really well in this. There's some other movies that he's done that I like even better, but I think he was really good and solid in this one, and I'm giving him a seven.
1: Well, we are still matching it up here. That's three for three in the match game. I gave him a seven as well. Suspecting we might be a little different here for Westworld, but let's lay it out there. What are you giving Peter and, and James Brolin here?
3: I think they were... Not terribly memorable, mainly because you had a really cool Mule Brenner (laughs) kind of overshadowed him. But I will say this. I think they were a cut above a good made-for-TV movie, so I gave him a six. I went ahead and matched him up with a seven,
1: just because, like I said, they're memorable to me. Peter's... I'm going to remember Peter, because when I first saw him, I was like, nope, he's cut from the team. And he surprised
3: me, so... That's, uh, that's a neat uh, angle you put on it, and I can appreciate that. Well,
1: that just leaves it for the sniper. So basically, we've got, uh, got a half a point differential here, I guess, <laughs> from from these two. Uh, so this sniper bull is going to really make a difference. Where are you going to put it?
2: Jean-Claude's butt that's <laughs> kinky but i'll allow it all right uh my my sniper bullet is gonna go to mr van dam
1: fair enough i'm gonna pass it to jared to talk about apparently kathy's favorite category
0: this time
3: yes we're going to round three
0: Hasta la vista, baby.
3: round three is the villain how memorable is your villain how cool is your villain Great villains make for great movies. We'll start with Universal Soldier. Kathy, what do you think? Dolph Lundgren can't really go wrong.
2: Well, that's the interesting thing.
3: Your time is up, Jason. What do you think? (laughs) Dolph Lundgren can't really go wrong.
2: No, 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 (laughs) no. Let me finish. He was Uh, the sergeant,
3: so he's the hero to me.
2: I adore Dolph Lundgren, but I don't think he was the villain. I I think I see what you're doing here. (laughs) I think the villain is the organization that have created these Universal Soldiers. I mean, was Dolph Lundgren technically a killer? Yes, but...
1: I'd didn't... say that's a, that's,
2: <laughs> but, that's a solid yes. But what made him that way? It was the war that he had just fought. That's what made him take the turn, made him go crazy. And it was this organization who regenerated these soldiers and turned them into even worse killing machines, knew that... They were having issues, things were going wrong, but yet they still continued to run this program. So to me, the organization is the villain.
3: You know, I won't fight you on that. That's a Absolutely. And, you know, I meant to bring him up in the hero round, but I kind of like that one doctor that was trying to subvert it all from the inside. Yeah, and he actually got himself blown up because that guy gripped the grenade in his hand too hard. <laughs>
2: yes, I think I think Woodward was Woodward was his name.
3: Yeah, I like Colonel the, Colonel,
2: Pe- Colonel Perry was part of the organization problem. He was Colonel the one Perry that was a like, bad nope, dude. Going, mm-hmm. he was got bad was coming dude. to
3: him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think, Jared? I mean, is Dolph Lundgren a villain, or are we gonna
3: look at the organization here? That's my question. I was about to ask you. <laughs> Now you're flipping the script up. Yeah. I, I mean, am, I am.
2: Dolph Lundgren is the easy, like, well, hey, I this am. is the villain, but I think there's more to it.
3: Now that Jason gave me an opportunity to run my mouth, I probably will. Um, I saw you wanted to say something. So Tom, I had to... Tom Cruise in Jack Reacher said something that I think is really true about American service. He's like, there's three types. Three types of people join the service. The Patriots, who love the flag, apple pie, mom, dad, baseball, and all that. The people who are just financially destitute and need a job, and people who like to kill, and those are the ones you got to watch out for. And I think Dolph Lundgren was the people who like to kill type. And you know, sometimes it takes a war to push somebody over that edge. But yeah, I mean, those are the guys you watch out. Like when you're in the military, you you know who they are, and they are not terribly welcome.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you said it. You said it better than I could have. I was feeling the same way. I don't think Dolph Lundgren's character get to get out of jail free card. The man was wearing a necklace <laughs> of many years.
2: Wait, ears. I couldn't hear you. What was that? <laughs> that's,
1: a bad, that's a bad joke, Kathy. <laughs> uh, she, so she almost weird. had me too. I was like, is my mic going crazy again? <laughs> so yeah, I agree with you, Jerry. I also agree with Kathy to a degree. If nothing else, I made a really bad choice out of thinking this is Yeah, and exciting. I'm not
3: disagreeing with Kathy at all certainly this man has been pushed over the edge. And I just said, I feel like he's one of those people that like to kill. I can't prove that. I can't back that up with paperwork. He might have just lost his marbles. I mean, clearly he did.
2: Yeah, they, yeah. if they if they would have given us just a hint, maybe more of his background of, mm-hmm. you know, like Jared said, if he was like that before he went into the service. I mean, I still think he was a terrible guy. I mean, he wore a rattlesnake thing in his hair.
3: I gotta give Dolph some props, though, for how he played it.
2: Oh, he was, he was amazing.
3: There were points where he was saying things that shouldn't be funny, that were funny because of how he was doing it. I'm all ears. What was that? I, I could,
2: are you listening? Are you listening?
3: On your feet, soldier. Like this guy's clearly been blown up. <laughs> Dolph was, this is one of the better acting roles I've seen. Anyways, I'm supposed to be asking the question. So let's go to Westworld. Let's talk about Yul Brynner. Let's just let Kathy do her thing and then we'll go to jason for that i'll kathy. go make a sandwich go ahead yeah kathy. i'll get a drink and kathy your thoughts well
2: ones. and this is where to me the movies are the same is jill brenner the bad guy no i mean is he trying to kill a bunch of people yes but he's a robot
3: yeah he's, he's a robot like, in as he's, much as arnold schwarzenegger is in terminator
2: he's a robot he's who has a computer virus delos to me is more of the villain because again we have a bunch of men we have the one man who wants to say we need to shut the park down. We can't protect our people at the park. You have all these other and men I sitting no in this room. expense. <laughs> we have all these other men sitting <laughs> in this room going, one of the men actually says, "We can protect the guests. Everything's fine." And they continue to leave the park open, and that's what gets everybody killed.
3: Spoiler alert, everything was not fine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Did you notice in how they said, "I think it was at the very beginning when they were leading people to all their different worlds? Nothing can go wrong
3: mm-hmm. yep, nothing can go wrong. I think that's on like the poster. I think it might actually say No, that on, on the, the post poster.
2: on the poster it says, "Boy, have we got a vacation for you? Oh, you mean on the movie poster for the movie Mhm, oh well, and I think. In the movie, the advertisement oh, that right. they okay. used the- says, boy, have we got a vacation for you.
3: I think on the actual movie poster, it says, what could go wrong?
2: That would make sense.
3: <laughs> well, Brolin found out real fast. Hey, all right. So Kathy was soft on Yul Brenner because she loves him. I do. Jason, talk about what an awesome evil robot he was. <laughs> he was awesome evil robot. I get Kathy's
1: point, and she's absolutely 100% correct. It's the greed. It's the hubris of thinking that you have all this stuff under control. And we don't know what makes Yul Brynner's robot suddenly switch. But boy, when he does, it is creepy AF, man. Like, I had literal chills going down my spine at that chase in the tunnel. And when he's walking through and the old boy's trying to pretend like he's one of the bodies on the thing. and
2: I knew that wasn't going to work. Right? He's got infrared.
1: I think Yul Brynner might have said like 10 words that whole movie. But holy cow, how iconic were his motions, his eyes. They were almost like a shark. No emotion at all. The only time he really showed emotion was when he's confused by the fire. And I thought that was really interesting, the way he played it. It's, again, almost childlike, like, I don't know where to go. And it just really made it all the more dangerous. I can see how this character inspired Michael Myers. I can see how this character inspired the Terminator. And on this watch, I don't know, maybe because I was preparing for this film, I really appreciated just the amount of physical acting that Yul Brenner did to this role and I thought it was a fine fine performance and I'm probably tipping my hand that I'm gonna score it pretty
2: high well you mentioned that tunnel scene I even wrote in my notes it, it was unnerving because it was the lack of sound all you heard were the footsteps and the breathing there was no music there was no score behind those scenes and I, to me that's what Good made point. them so completely thriller
3: yes excellent point you know, we talked a bit off air before we started recording about how Westworld isn't really much of an action movie. There's not a lot of action, but it's very thriller-esque, and, and, and it's personified by Yul Brenner's just the way he walked. It was great. He he was really great. Now, let's find out how great. Let's go back and score these things. So with that, let's head it over to Jason for the scoring here on a scale of 1 to 10. What do you think for Universal Soldier Dolph Lundgren? What you got?
1: I thought Dolph Lundgren was easily as good as Jean-Claude Van Damme's
3: seven, so I'm giving him a seven as well. Match game number four. Going over to Westworld. I suspect Jason has more than a seven.
1: I absolutely have more than a seven. I mean, not much more. I gave him an eight just because I don't know. Maybe I hadn't eaten at that moment. I'm thinking I might have under I might have lowballed him. But definitely in the elite category of villains. So eight, I'll stick with
3: I may shock you. I also have it at a seven. I thought that he and Dolph were on par. Like I think he definitely made more of an iconic mark, but I found Dolph to be more entertaining. But then again, Neil Brenner didn't have a whole lot of lines, but his physical acting was great. So I thought he was really good and I gave him a seven.
1: It doesn't matter because the sniper is going to bump that
3: up. To we a all know man, the sniper so. bullet. Go, so <laughs> go ahead, Kathy. Let's reveal that sniper bullet. Take it right out of no. Band-Dam's because butt.
2: <laughs> what all you just said is that's what has me so confused because they're both so good in these movies.
3: I, it is tough because I think like aside from Drago and Rocky Four, this might be my favorite.
2: Oh, this is uh, yeah.
3: Dolph Lundgren performance. This is
2: this Absolutely. is up there. Yes. And it's not necessarily my favorite Yul Brynner performance. It's up there.
1: He would have broke out in some King and I songs with Absol- it. Okay, absolutely.
2: Oh, I'm going to give it to Yule. He deserves my sniper bullet. Well,
1: he made seventy five thousand for the movie. Come on, he needs a sniper bullet. <laughs> <Give> <laughs> That's
3: a- right. I-, I mean, I I will not fight you on that a bit. I mean, when since 1973, all the way now, which is forty years later. <laughs> wow. Fifty. 50- we don't do the math for you here. <laughs> All these decades later, when people say Westworld, the first thing they think about is Yul Brynner.
2: In the TV show, they even have a decommissioned silhouette of his character in the underbelly of Westworld in the TV series. So, and the new one? Correct. Yes. Oh, that's cool.
1: I kind of got to watch it.
3: I've heard good things. You know, what else I've heard good things about the spectacle rap.
1: That's where all good things come into that blender. We're talking the action. We're talking the cinematography. We're talking the soundtrack, the score, all that good stuff. All the goody goodness of it. And we're going to start with Jared talking about Universal Soldier and the Spectacle.
3: Well, sir, we've got ourselves a pretty spectacle movie, okay? Let's start with the costumes. The costuming of the Universal Soldiers. It's cool. It looks cool. It looks functional. It doesn't look stupid. It's basically a play on the desert camo that we're familiar with, uh, with mixed in with body armor, mixed in with a little tech, but the tech doesn't look like too far away from 1992. The truck they roll around in looks cool. The truck, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, know, man. Everybody seems really well cast. I, I mean, I think everyone played their roles really well. I mean, they got a lot out of a little. They were, They filmed most of this in Arizona. It looks great. It's got a lot of action set pieces. It's got the the humor set pieces. And then you get to the end after all the wild ride that you just took with these characters and just all the action that happens. They wrap it up with Body Count, which I had completely forgotten about. Me too. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I forgot about Body Count. For those of you who don't know, back in 1992, there was a hard rock heavy metal band called Body Count and their lead singer was Ice-T. Like that was just mind blowing back then. Like Ice T was the front man, and I, th- when that song played, like credits, I was like, "Hell yeah, Body Count!" And I was like, "Wait, why are they doing the lyrics for the Ice T?" So I went back and listened to the lyric, and it's basically him saying "effort" and the N word <laughs> as the lyrics. So I was like, "Oh, now I see why they, get, they got rid of the the lyrics of Ice T off the track." But man, that track still rocks, and it just made me smile from ear to ear. So I kind of got a little hung up on that as the credits rolled. I was like, "Oh my gosh, Body Count! What a great." great memory, but everything leading up to that was cool too. I just uh, think it's a really solidly spectacle film. And if any of you
1: listeners had Jared mentioning body count match game with me, yes. Cause I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> oh, as
3: a topic. Soon as Chris roll, I was like, I was like, okay. I mean, just the light bulb went off. I had totally forgotten about body count. Yes. And the funny thing is I went to look at ice T's Twitter today. It's mm-hmm. in his bio lead singer body count is, it, is in his bio and I'm like out of all the things this man has done I'm going to download some body count heck yes all right
1: Kathy Jared's excited about the spectacle of Universal Soldier how about you what do you say
2: I totally thought that was going all sentimental and it's like oh and this huge action movie ended with just a simple hug
3: <laughs> body count body body
2: body count on. <laughs> There's nothing but action. It's great. I don't know what else to say.
1: (laughs) There's not really too much more to say. It's great action. It's good. It's well paced too. I noticed that when I was trying to sort out the action scenes.
2: I like that they, we talked about it, you know, the one-liners. I always like a bit of comedy in my movies, especially when it's inappropriate comedy for some reason. But yeah, it's Universal Soldier. I mean, I had not probably seen this movie Since it came out, it's what is it? What year did it come out?
1: 92. 92. Yep.
2: So, 40 years ago, we decided, or 50 years ago? I
1: I still think my favorite line is when she wakes up and she says, Where's whatever Dolph Lundgren's character's name is? And he goes, Oh, he's around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the spectacle of Westworld. And since we got you warmed up, why don't you keep going and let me know what you think of Westworld, Kathy.
2: For the budget they had, which was not a lot, from what I read that they even used used costumes from other movies, used sets from other movies. I think it's quite impressive. It's a well very well shot movie. I mean Crichton did an amazing job for this to be his first theatrical directing job. I read one
1: of the sets they used was Blazing Saddles
3: too. So
2: I have heard that as well. Yep. Um,
3: I didn't know that. That's awesome.
2: It shot very well. Very intriguing concept story. Eh, you know, it's kind of simple in my in my book, but again, because I've seen the TV show, which is a lot deeper. And
1: one of those elitists that can afford <laughs> <the> HBO <laughs> Max. <Cinemax.
2: laughs> and I, for several months, I had it just for that TV show. And we talked about too. To me, you know, I think Jared's the one that always talks about score and music as part of spectacle. Like I mentioned in the last round, the second or third time watching it these past few weeks, like that's what I picked up on is that whole scene, the chase scene at the end, where all you hear is just the sounds of the characters. So I think that adds to the spectacle. And I actually think it's quite the spectacle overall. Jared, what do you have to add? I agree with Kathy the one place
3: where I feel like this movie kind of shot itself in the foot a little bit, not a big time, but just a little bit was the entire time I watched it. They'll like cut over to medieval world and all this stuff. And I'm like, why? Like, I wish they had taken the money they spent on medieval world and made West world even better. Medieval world looked cheaper. It didn't look as good as West world. And it was like, they gave us sort of this extended backstory so that we could like, okay, I got it. The robots went bad. Like, your investment that you put into that did not really pay off for your story. You never had to show me Medieval World. You didn't need to show me Greek World or whatever, Roman World, I think is what it was. I appreciate the fact that when he escaped Westworld, he kind of ended up in Roman World. Like I, I thought, that okay, that, that's neat to kind of glimpse it, but pretty much all those scenes are all oh, you got to fight the Black Knight and all this. I'm like, every time they cut to that, I was like, I don't care. I don't care about this random dude and the Black Knight. And you spent money the on these have to fight the black man. Yeah, you spent money on all these sets and stuff that looked okay. I really would think they should have scrapped all the money they put into that and just put every bit of it back into Westworld to make Westworld look even better.
1: I thought the concept was good. Like I don't mind them having the medieval world and the the Roman world, but I'm with you. I didn't understand why we needed to follow those characters through that story. If I was them you could basically have a trilogy right there tell the same story, but through the perspective yeah. of the people who went to Westworld, then have one called Medieval World, then have one called Roman World, and have stories within stories all tied around this event where this big thing happens.
3: Man, you could have tripled your money. Exactly. I am going to pat myself on the back. For years ago, I coined a phrase that I really just love myself for. <laughs> Orson Scott Card, you know, he wrote Ender's Game.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. and and then in Ender's Game, he has a friend named Bean, I think, and then he wrote a novel that went through Ender's Game from Bean's point of view. And people were like, "Well, it's not really a prequel, it's not really a sequel." And the the phrase I coined, which I'm proud of, is I called it a syncle. Happens in sync, and what you're talking about is syncles. You could watch. Oh, I like that. I, I'm really proud of it.
1: <laughs> I'm going to steal that and tell people I thought of yeah, it. Go you know, ahead. You know,
3: I just think it's a cool idea. A syncle, the same things happening just someone else's point of view. But I will say this. I think they added those scenes to pad the runtime. This movie is like 80 something minutes. It's not long. And that actually, I want to give to its favor in spectacle. I love movies that don't overstay their welcome. Like, you didn't need more. You didn't need more. And I think they padded the runtime a little (laughs) little bit with Medieval World. But if you didn't have it, then you'd probably be down to like a 70 minute movie, Uh, you know, which I wouldn't have minded. But I kind of like filmmakers who kind of who can get in and get out on a cool concept and not basically fall in love with their own project and have to bloat it up to three hour magnum opus. You know, like, no, man, robots broke down. Robots started killing people. 88 minutes. Love it. I'm at that age where I, I respect a good, succinct tale. We talked about it in um, Liam Neeson. Taken. Taken was the same way. In and out. In and out. Yep. No fuss, yeah. no muss, man. You got that right. I recommend you
1: do not see Avatar the sequel.
3: <laughs> I didn't see the first one.
1: <laughs> I probably okay. won't see the second one unless it comes up on action film faceoff. I guess, guess that I'll watch it. sure <laughs> No, I think you make really good points. For me, like that fight between the Black Knight and that old man. It's like, man, if that Black Knight don't kill him, that coronary sure got. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> if
3: old man held on longer <laughs> than I thought he would, he was. He was too, every
1: trick in the book, man. You throw this tray at him. (laughs) And I got to admit, like, I thought that the woman who was the queen, I thought she was his wife at first, like, playing that role. And I I lost track of who was robot and who was human in that scenario. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Anyway, well, (laughs) I think we're at a good point to wrap this up, and let's score them, and let's talk about the spectacle. For Universal Soldier. Jared, what are you going to give it?
3: I'm at a very solid 8 on it. I like it solidly at an 8. I
1: was a little bit lower. I'm at a 7, but I thought it was really good, well above average.
3: And where were you with Westworld? Surprisingly, for a movie that doesn't have a ton of action, I gave it a 7. You know, I thought it did its thriller part really well. I talked about being in and out at the 80-something minute runtime. Everything in Westworld looked pretty cool. You know, the, the robot effects little dated by today's standards, but not that. 1973? Yeah, 73. I, yeah, no. Yeah, I liked it at a seven. I thought it was a decent cut above a made-for-TV film.
1: Well, we're at match game on that one. Two different types of spectacle, but Kathy really nailed it. That silent running down those corridors, man. That w- that really freaked me out. Just the visceral reaction that I had for that scene alone. rest of the movie, I could take it or leave it, you know, kind of probably at about around about a six- Ish level, but yeah, that bumped it up for me.
3: Yeah, that final tension was really good. Well, that just
1: leaves Kathy with the sniper bullet. Which one's getting the bullet for spectacle, Kathy?
2: Um, I think this round I'm gonna have to give to Universal Soldier. I know that's kind of a easy solution because it's a newer movie. And since it's for action film face-off, I'm going for the movie with more action, and that was Universal Soldier.
1: Can't argue with that. All
3: right. I'm going to pass it to you, Jen, so you can pass it back to me. Sounds good. Let's get into round five.
0: (laughs) Get over here!
3: Round five is best action scene. Jason usually breaks these movies up for us. We'll talk about which ones are our favorites, and we'll score them. You all know how it works. Jason, what action scenes do you have for Universal Soldier? Got to break out my notes here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hang on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's get it all out there. All at once. All right. I actually had six six action scenes for Universal Soldier. They spread about pretty well in this movie. The first one was Vietnam, the first fight between 13 and 44. I called that one, So folks are born, born to raise the flag. Oh, they're black, gold, and red. Because he's Belgian. That's
3: he's Bell, the color. of Belgian. Bell, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't lost on me that our two American boys, one was from Sweden and one was from Delta.
2: And apparently, <laughs> apparently one of the other um soldiers was German. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, that which really one. big
3: dude. I think that really big dude, I think
2: yeah. he's from German. Second
1: one is Universal Soldiers when they rescue the hostages. And I called that one Van Dam. Because
3: <laughs> they were at a dam in <laughs> the actor's name. Damme. Van Dam
1: was at a dam. Third one was the hotel. This one is kind of a long title. I called this one. You know his junk wasn't that impressive after he sat in all that ice. (laughs) Come on now. The fourth one was the gas station. I called that one, you're fired.
3: Gas station. Blew up.
1: (laughs) Fifth one was the prison bus and the escape from the prison bus. I called that one, I wouldn't want a butt like that if I was going to prison. (laughs) I like
3: that part where he said, I think there's something wrong with your driver. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dolph, he owns me in that movie. Uh, and the
1: last one is the final duel. I called that one throwing haymaker because it was the hay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, of those, Jason, which one was your favorite? I like the final duel. That was what I wanted to see. I you mean, know, you got Van Dam and you got you got to have those split leg kicks and the you know those Van Damme moves, and they throw Dolph Lundgren in there. You want to see that final showdown. And I don't think it disappointed one little bit.
3: No, it was pretty cool. I wouldn't fight you on that. Kathy, what was your favorite action scene?
2: Well, my favorite name was the bus escape. With
3: like that, you don't want to go to prison.
2: <laughs> That's my favorite name. But my favorite scene is actually, I love the va- the damn scene. Number one, because I've been there. Two. <laughs>
0: That's good because scene.
2: I just like the precision of how they went on the mission. And how they accomplished the goal. I don't know. I just like that part. And they used, what is it called? Front roping, I think, is what that's called. when they're running down the dam. Australian rappel, yeah. Exactly. I think it's called front roping is what
3: I'm... Australian rappel. Australian rappel. I've done it. I've done the training. It's Australian rappel. Also known as front roping. <laughs> also known as front I'm afraid to Google the term front roping. I feel like...
2: I'm... 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 <laughs> No, I wrote it down, and now it's not on here. Away, oh, well, hang on. Fast, I'm sorry. Fast roping. Fast roping.
3: Okay, I've heard of fast roping. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, but yeah, my, I it is But I, I picked the Van Dam. All
3: okay. right. Yeah, I, that was a good way to start the movie to really, sh- you know, showcase what they could do.
2: I, I'm kind of
3: torn. Like Jason, you got to love the big payoff fight at the end, but man, I really liked the prison bus. Like throwing grenades and and that was good. It's just, it just was a gr- it was one of the better vehicular chases that I've ever seen. I just really enjoyed it. So
2: because you haven't seen any Fast and Furious movies,
3: <laughs> I have not seen any Fast and Furious movies.
2: I like but, that scene because she was a part of it too. She was actually helping. Yeah, her.
3: yeah, that's probably part of it. Like it, it, it just it was really good. So you know, I'll give it to that scene. I I think it's. And the last one's just as good, but I like them both. So, All That's right. Well, we
1: can't, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff to choose from. And I can't argue with either of you, your choices. So just a lot of good action.
3: Definitely. Definitely. Let's go to Westworld and we're all going to pick the end, but what do you
1: got? Jason? <laughs> yeah, I broke it down to four and I did not put. The black knight fight with the old man, <laughs> yes, but...
2: that's the one I wrote down that I was gonna pick. Dang it, oh, you like
3: that? One? Okay, well, we can put that one, I'll throw it in
2: there. Hold no, on. it's fine, you don't have to. I'll pick. Oh, the,
3: the night time is the right time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it. Dude,
3: this medieval times is harsh, man. <laughs> <laughs> there were no utensils in medieval times since there are no utensils at medieval times. Would you like to refill on your Pepsi?
1: <laughs> so, the first one the first bar duel where he encounters yul brenner i called that one doing shots yeah it's, it's a, a double entendre a double ent- and then the second one is when he comes back in the hotel and he has to shoot him again and goes out the window i called that one you'll be back it's yul, you'll
0: you'll be, be back. i got
1: it yeah the third one was the bar
3: fight which i thought was pretty good yes. okay okay i gotta pause that was <laughs> <laughs> to me it was the most contradictory part of the movie because, like, these robots are programmed to never harm another person. I'm like, people busted chairs, chairs over them. people. <laughs> They're like punching people. Like, there's no way those guys didn't get harmed. Like, yeah.
2: there was a whole section in the goofs on IMDb. Did you read that part? Ah. Uh-huh. Where it talks about how the guns and everything have the sensors and all that, but it doesn't say how people don't get hurt from furniture Furn- or from <laughs> or not, from swords. No. They don't explain how punch in
3: the face. <laughs> You know? Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry, Jason.
1: What, what did you call the... I'm going to hard drive this bar stool into your CPU. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it might be your big winner for tonight. All
1: right. And then the last one is the final showdown. And I called that... Well, this is getting a one-star review
3: on Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. All right, Jason, you picked the last one, I assume? Uh, <laughs> oh, I yeah, I did. Yeah, As did I, Kathy.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the last shootout. Although yeah. my favorite is the sword fight, but that wasn't <laughs> included, so...
3: Okay, let's score these things. Jason, um, lots to pick from in Universal Soldier. You like the end fight, which I can't fault you for. I like the bus thing just as much as... Uh, what's the score?
1: I scored it at a seven. I'm pretty much sevens across the board
3: on Universal Soldier. You're, Everything is well above that. You literally are seven. <laughs> across the board. I bumped up the bus chase. I have it at an eight. I just... I don't know. I thought it was really engaging. Like Kathy said, it involved the lady. It involved Dolph Lundgren being funny. I'm not a guy who's big on car chases and stuff, but for that some reason, that one really grabbed me. Anyway, I don't got to explain myself to you. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Let's go to Westworld, and not a lot of action in that last scene, but it was tense. What do you what do you think, Jay? Yeah, different type of action and tension, but still
1: well above average. I labeled that one at a seven as well
3: i guess i'm just maybe in a little bit of a grumpier mood i have it at a six and i think it's because i mean if this was tension film face-off i probably would give it an eight but i feel like if you got a character like that yul brenner in a movie called westworld he needs to get gunned down at the end <laughs> yeah no, you can make an argument i guess yeah, i mean i like the cleverness of high, i mean he pulled a predator before there was a predator yeah he I'm was pulling out all the stops yeah you know i liked all that but i was like it's Moon movie called westworld i need to see this guy get gunned down for the last time but whatever it was still good i gave it a six cut above made for tv again if this was tension film face off it probably would have gone higher but you know i liked it six is not bad kathy which movie had better action scenes he said as if we didn't know yes <laughs> if there was any doubt
2: face off Oh, no, I'm Correct.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> My sniper bullet is going to go to the amazing spin kicks or whatever you want to call them. I'm going Universal Soldier. All Brussels right. This
3: from Brussels. All right, then. All our scorings are in. That means Jason has one more cleanup round for us to do.
0: I will find you. And I
3: will kill you. All right.
1: It's the deduction round. It's time to... Take points off for the ridiculous. Jared, are you taking any points off of either of these films?
3: No, no, I don't have any beef with them. I mean, I'm quite certain there's probably something militarily ridiculous in Universal Soldier, but it blew right by me, whatever it was. I was having too much fun. And Westworld is just really creative and ahead of its time. So I got nothing either way. What about you? No, I was tempted to take one off for Westworld for what we talked about
1: with the bar scene. That did bother me but I thought about it a little more. And I remember all those folks that are controlling each character from those computer stations. So I thought, well, maybe that's how they managed to avoid getting hurt. They just made sure that the robots never connected. But then I thought, I'm pretty sure I saw one or two of the guys get hit.
3: Pretty <laughs> <laughs> should be got a chair busted across yeah. his
1: back. And but, a, and there were a couple of different, and we didn't know who was human in there. So they're probably humans hitting humans. But I was so confused. I was like, I ah, just, I'm going to let it go.
3: Same, same here.
2: You can well, take that... off for the $1,000 a day. No, thank you. I think in it today in 1973.
3: Well, right, I guess it's the future.
2: I think it was supposedly set in 1983. Today's price, if Westworld was real, it would be, I think it was like $6,400 a day. Yeah,
3: that's a lot of money. Speaking of the math, that's the end of our official rounds. Now, don't you worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home. Folks, we do that for you here at Action Film Face-Off. And if you were playing match game, Jason and I ended up having five match games in this episode. And if you were wondering how those sniper bullets went, Kathy gave three sniper bullets to Universal Soldier and two to Westworld. And man, oh man, did we have a tight one. Looking at the judges' scorecards. The winner, this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 75 to 74 It's Universal Soldier.
1: Congratulations to Universal Soldier. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. And as a reminder, it's Martial Arts Madness. Our good friend Siskoid is going to pick the film's. We'll pick the years. He picks the films. So what year did my brother get? Choose your destiny. He got 1992. So I wonder what Siskoid's gonna choose for that. And what did I get? Choose your destiny. 1975. What will those films be? We have no idea. It's not up to us. But when we find out, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And we're thanking Dave mostly for that. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick. Still not really on social media, but if you want to reach out to me, you can find me at R-A-A-P-H-O at Yahoo.com.
3: And you can find me, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Yard Sale Artist, Kathy.
2: You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, at AUKathy2418, and that's Kathy with a K.
3: All right. Be sure to check out all the shows on the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on your favorite podcast platform, or you can check us out at www.longboxcrusade.com. You got questions or comments? You can address them to Longbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Longbox Crusade is in all those places, and this show has its own Twitter feed, which is at AFFO Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Another way that you can be heard from is to give us a call on our voicemail line for The Longbox Crusade. 707-532-5269. Give us a call. Tell us which movie you thought was better and why you thought we were right or why you thought we were wrong. And, you know, as long as you're nice about it, we'll play it on the show.
1: Yo, Jared, Jason, good job on the latest action film, Face Off, with
3: Mad Max and Maximum Overdrive. I... Don't want to be uh, Mr. Quick to correct, so uh, apologies in advance. You mentioned a uh, festival, X S X S W, and in the Austin, Texas community, they just call it South by Southwest or South by
1: if you're really being kitsch. So, like, me being, like, not at all like the movie guy like you two guys are, just figured that's something that you might want to know. Anyways, keep up the
2: great work, guys.
3: And of course, you can find our live stream events on YouTube as well, usually the second Sunday of every month. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And remember, till the next episode, keep your head down. And And your your knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.
2: The ice is one of my most unusual moments in the movie at the beginning when they're supposedly in Vietnam. And they're like, put them on ice. I'm like... Did they bring ice with them? Where are they going to all, all of a sudden get all this ice for 12 bodies? 7 anyway.
1: Eleven there in Vietnam.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just, got bags of streaming water. <laughs> oh, sir. You I think so I screwed hard. up, sir. <laughs>
2: that's,
1: a good, that's a good question. All right. Uh, I might need to put something in my deduction round.
2: <laughs> now, I do like the actor because he is married to one of my favorite actresses from back in the day. Prentis, I uh, can't think of her last name now. Anyway, you can cut all that out. <laughs> but I just Give kind of no
3: shortage of work to do in the post
2: production. <laughs> Shut up.
3: Let's go to the outtakes really.
2: <laughs> Hang on, let me. What, what did he say? We, we can can't. We the... can't
3: close the beaches. It's the hall Wait, I'm thinking of Jaws.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I forgot to say at the beginning, I wore this. It's what I wore to work, but I left it on because this is like the outfit she wears at the end of the movie.
3: It is like the outfit she wears.
2: (laughs) I just now remember that. I
3: wore my Daleville High School t-shirt because I started Daleville High School in 1992 and that's when (laughs) Universal
2: (laughs) Search
1: And I wore no pants or underwear so that my butt could be shown on (laughs) camera.
3: You know how at the beginning I always have the...
0: That's... What's your
3: last words? You know, yes, teaser. we got it. I think we got it.